Hello, Cornerstone. Spencer McCush here. Um, I don't know if you guys know this about me or not. I used to be a high school English teacher. And uh, one of the really cool things about being a high school English teacher is I got to read some really, really cool stories. Uh, we watched some really, really cool films and I got to talk about it with students all the time. And um, yeah, I want to just take a couple minutes and talk with you about that. But before we do that, I don't know if you are aware of this. This is roughly day 44 of our 100 days. It's also the 20 year anniversary of the film Castaway with Tom Hanks. For those of you who are a little bit older, it's also the 300th anniversary of Robinson Crusoe. Yes, Robinson Crusoe and Castaway, both celebrating big years this year. The reason those two are really significant, some of you guys are looking around going, what in the world is he talking about? Both of those are stories of guys who are abandoned, isolated uh, on a deserted island. They're by themselves. And just so you know, both of those stories have the same basic plot line. Um, someone gets stranded, abandoned on an island, and they realize that they're in a beautiful location. They have plenty of sustenance, there's food, there's water, but they're alone. And fundamentally, they try to leave the island. They try to get away because they realize even though they can survive, they're not designed to function that way. So the idea of somebody living alone on a deserted island doesn't work. And there's a reason for that. Because in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God lays out his intention for humanity and his intention is very clearly stated. God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image. You see, humanity is an image bearer. We are to reflect God to the world. We are to make God known. And the way we do that is by reflecting him, by actually putting him on display. So God goes on in Genesis chapter two, and he sees, hey, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And I know a lot of times we talk about that in regards to marriage, but it's not just about marriage. It's about the state of humanity. You see, it wasn't good for Adam to be by himself. Why? Because man could not do what he was created to do. He couldn't reflect God to the world accurately by himself. You see, God is a relational God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they interact and engage relationally. And so if we're going to reflect the relational aspect of God, we need to be in relationship with others. God saw that man was alone and said, this isn't good. Let me create someone who is a helper who can help fulfill that created purpose. So it's not good for man to be on a deserted island because it's impossible to do what we were created to do. Not only is it impossible to do what we're created to do, but it's also dangerous to try to do something in isolation. So I hope that makes sense to you guys. But, but moving on, so that's Genesis 1 and 2. Then we get to Genesis 3 where sin enters into the world. And we need to understand something about this, is that we were created to be dependent upon God. We were dependent upon his revelation, dependent upon him uh, revealing things to us. And you see that in, in Genesis uh, 3, uh, in the first part of Genesis 3. And then sin enters into the world. And one key cog in the wheel of sin, one key component is that sin wants us and cultivates this spirit of independence where we are doing it our own way. We, we hear what God wants us to do 
and we go, no, we see God's revelation and we go, no, I want to do it my way. I'm going to do it on my own. And so you see that with Eve where she's, you know, God says, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to ask you to not eat from this fruit. And she starts to function on her own. And she looks and discerns and judges for herself and sees that this fruit, which God had forbidden, she determines that it's good. She functions independently of God. And I don't know that we often think about that element of sin or that component of sin, but it's real. And I want us just to pause for a second and go, man, God wanted us to function in relationship Sin actually is us functioning independently of what God's desire is for us. Not only that, but I'm so thankful that God actually created a way for us to deal with this uh, independence and restore things to the way that he wanted. You see, God always wanted um, a numerous group of people for himself. And that was promised throughout the Old Testament. And not only that, but it was made possible through Jesus and his inauguration of the new covenant. You see, that gets manifested or realized in and through the church. We can finally function the way God intended us to. But that requires us to do things his way, not not doing things on our own anymore. No longer functioning independently and trying to do things our own way. The new covenant reality is we get the privilege of actually being restored to doing things in a dependent fashion. I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but, but back a couple months ago, we were working through Romans 8, and there was a contrast created in Romans 8 of a life that was lived in the spirit or a life that was lived in the flesh. And then we kind of referred to Romans 12 about the idea of not being conformed to the pattern of the world anymore. And so the question I would ask is, are we functioning when it comes to relationships, are we functioning in a fleshly or worldly way? functioning independently, or are we living out this new covenant reality of living a life that is dependent upon God and interdependent upon others? And I want to tie something together here that we've kind of been working through the last um, three or four weeks as we've started this hundred days. We've been talking a lot about um, dependence. I know Todd did last week, but I want to think through this for a second that we live and demonstrate a life of dependence through three primary ways. One, we demonstrate a life of being dependent upon God by being dependent upon the Holy Spirit-inspired Word. We We actually demonstrate dependence upon God when we actually are dependent upon the Word of God because the Word of God is actually inspired by God. We also demonstrate a life of dependence in that we depend upon the Holy Spirit through prayer. That one's kind of a little bit more obvious, but, but just think about that for a second. That the, the first two things we talked about in our, in our hundred days is a number of weeks ago, Christian and Todd talked through being people of Scripture and, and actually the priority of Scripture. And then Terry and Todd talked through this idea of being dependent upon God through prayer. And there's one other way that we can demonstrate our dependence upon God. And that this one's probably going to throw some of you off, but we demonstrate our dependence upon God as we are interdependent upon other spirit indwelt people. That actually us 
being interdependent on one another is actually a demonstration of us being dependent upon God because he has left us the church family, the church body. But this is really, really tough because we live in a place, we live in a society where our very definition of success is largely measured through independence. I want you to think about this for a second. How do you know that you finally matured into adulthood? Well, largely it's because when you move out and you become independent or, or flip the script on that one, how do you know that you finally arrived as a parent uh, that you've done a good job, not that you're done, but you kind of have transitioned out of a significant season of parenting, is when your kids move out and they are independent. Um, how, how do you know that you've kind of arrived in our society financially, is when you are independently wealthy. You no longer need to work in order to maintain your livelihood. And I know those are just a couple of weird examples and they're kind of trite and trivial or whatnot, but it's important to think through, guys, our, we live in a society that that gauges success and we link success a lot of times to the, to the very idea or concept of independence. But just like in the beginning, we have to remember, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for us to be isolated because it's impossible for us to live a life that honors God and it's impossible for us to put him on display by ourselves. The idea, now think about this for a second, the idea that you can actually be on an island all by yourself and live a life that honors Jesus is impossible. Why would I say that? Because of this. Guys, relationships are crucial. They're essential. Because how can you actually practice any of the one another's by yourself? Take a look at this list in front of you. It's a pretty overwhelming list. It's, it's so much, and you can do none of those things on your own. You have to be in relationship with others. Now, as your eyes just kind of wander through this list, I'm going to actually tease out just a couple of them because I think that's important. The ones I'm speaking of aren't any greater priority than others. I'm just picking three or four just to kind of tease that out and, and demonstrate to you the impossibility of living a life that pleases God without relationships with others. But not just anyone, other spirit-filled people. Simply to, to be in relationship with, with other people but who aren't spirit-filled, that's not being dependent upon God. Actually, other spirit-filled people. So watch this. Um, Imagine for a second um, Ephesians 4.25, where we're, we're called to speak truth to one another, that we're, we're called to speak truth in love to one another. How in the world can you speak truth into another person's life or have them speak truth into your life if you're not in relationship with them? If I'm on my own and I can do it on my own, how can I, how can I speak truth? And man, we are in such a day and age where we need to be confronted with truth. All of us are being confronted and exposed to lies on a regular basis. But it's not only enough to speak truth, but we also think about this for a second. Colossians 3.16, we need to admonish one another. We need to correct one another. It's not enough just to speak truth, but we need to apply that truth practically in life. My goodness, I am so desperately in need of people to correct me. Um, 
I, I say things that aren't okay. I, the tone of my voice is not okay when I speak to others. Um, the way I interact, just I have blind spots and I need people to speak truth into my life and then apply that truth and say, Spencer, you, you're missing it here. And if I'm living on my own, guys, it's impossible for that to happen. I can't actually obey scripture. I can't speak truth into, into your life or a friend of mine's life without relationship. And so it's not enough just to speak truth and apply truth, but then watch this. Ephesians 4.2 says, bear with one another. Okay, so now, now, now something has been corrected, but now you need to bear with me as I'm trying to actually apply that and wrestle through that in my life. Or I need to bear with you as you're trying to work through that. But I promise you this, it's impossible to do that if you're isolated or if you're alone or if you're on a desert island. Not only are we supposed to speak truth and confront each other and admonish each other and then bear with as we're trying to figure it out, but then Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. Now, think about this for a second. I know this seems ridiculous, but how in the world can we obey Scripture if we're, how can we bear one another's burdens if we're by ourselves? How can someone else bear our burden if I'm alone? Why? Because it's impossible. I wrote an article years ago, and I know it has a silly title, but I think it's funny nonetheless. Guys, the, the article title, and I wouldn't recommend reading it because it really wasn't very good, but the title is amazing. The title of the article is this, The Impossibility of One-Anothering Yourself. And, and the title pretty much sums it up. I mean, you don't need to read the article. The Impossibility of One-Anothering Yourself. It is impossible to live a life that honors God on your own. But not only is it uh, impossible, it's also incredibly dangerous. It's dangerous to you and it's dangerous to the people that you love and, and people that care about you. Why? Because we all have blind spots. What, what do you mean? Well, watch this. How many of you guys have blind spots? Raise your hand. Yeah, we all do. Now, I dare you. I dare you. Tell me what those blind spots are. You can't. Why? Because you don't know what your blind spots are. Why not? Because they're blind spots. Come on. You know that. I know that. The, the thing is, I need people in my life that are going to reveal and expose what those blind spots are so that I don't unintentionally go off the rails and drive into the ditch or change lanes and, and drive into another car. I need people to actually reveal those areas in my life that I am blind to. And the reality of a blind spot, guys, is watch this. I can't say to somebody, no, 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 that's not a blind spot. That's the beauty of having other people have access to my life is they can protect me from the danger that I am blind to. So not only is it impossible to live a life that pleases God by myself, it's also dangerous to try to live a life that pleases God by myself. So practically, what does this actually mean? Guys, here's the thing. If we want to live a life of interdependence, relationships have to become a priority. Why? Because it's commanded in Scripture. It's what God has created us for. This requires so much intentionality, though, 
because our whole culture is going one direction and we don't want to conform to the pattern of the world. We have to intentionally set aside time. We have to make sacrifices of time and thoughtfulness to cultivate relationships. This might actually require us to say no to certain things. That's also a sacrifice. Well, what kind of things are you talking about? I mean, let's actually drive down to, to sort of the realities of life. Guys, and here's just an illustration that I'll give to you. My wife actually had a pretty amazing job. She loved the people she worked with. The, the, she's a teacher. She loved the school where she was. Uh, great kids, great families, and not perfect by any means. But what happened is she was starting to feel convicted that the school that she was working in, and while it's an amazing school and we had great relationships there, that living in two cities, because the school was about a half an hour away, and what ended up happening was, man, she realized I can't live in two cities. I can't live 30 minutes away and then also have meaningful relationships locally. Our kids can't go to school 30 minutes away and us still have relationships with those people locally. And so my wife, out of a conviction she had of, of engaging with the one another's and engaging the local church family, she took a step of faith and, 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 and frankly, sacrificed some of those work relationships and our kids sacrificed some of their school relationships in an effort to cultivate relationships locally. That was incredibly hard and it was incredibly scary because there was no, she was abandoning certain aspects of security, but the reason was so that she could cultivate and have time in her schedule to actually be intentional with people who lived locally. And we were trying to free up schedule so that we could actually invest in, in relationships in our neighborhood. So that we could actually have people over for meals and sit around a table and, and, and eat meals together and cultivate relationships. But that requires time. We actually had to limit the number of activities that our kids could be a part of. We didn't want to start chasing our kids from one activity to another activity to another activity, all the while sacrificing meaningful relationships with our church family. So we sacrificed certain activities to prioritize the one another's, to prioritize putting God on display through relationship. Why? Because we realized that this was our primary calling. This is what God called us to as humans. Not just some of us, not just the elders in the church, not just the pastors, all of us. We are called to put Jesus on display and one aspect of what we need to do is put the relational aspect of God on display. That requires, it necessitates, it is absolutely critical that we engage relationally with the one and others. Now, if you guys are like me, this is the point in this whole conversation where all of the, the barriers and all of the objections start to kick in. And you're like, oh, hold on. Oh, and we start to be... Um, Man, all those little doubts start to creep in. And I just want to get ahead of that a little bit. And I, I just want to acknowledge the fact, if you guys are like me, and I know you are because I know a fair number of you, guys, we're all prone to deception. We're all prone to being deceived. 
Why? Because the pattern of the world influences us. And I just want to get ahead of a couple of things that are going to probably creep in and deceive us in this pursuit of necessary relationships. The first deception I just want to call out is the deception of social media. A lot of us may fall into the trap of thinking that we're engaged in meaningful relationship because we share things in social streams or we follow certain people and are aware of what's going on in their life. Or even probably even more deceptive is we actually share things about our life and even maybe maybe even some of the struggles because we don't want to have that pristine image. And so we'll, we'll share some of the doubts and struggles and uncertainties and, and we share that socially. Um, and through social streams. And the deception is that that actually is meaningful relationship. Guys, I'm just going to get ahead of this one. It's not. Because what's happening is you're not giving access. You're not sitting across the table from someone. You're not practicing the one another's. You're creating, you're delivering information, but you're not giving access to other people to have access to your life, to practice all of the one another's. So that's one deception that we might be prone to. Another deception that some of us might be prone to is the deception of interdependence. And you go, what? And this is a, this is, could, in some ways could be a generational thing, but, but it might not be. It might just be uh, different personalities. Some people are going to kind of err on this side of the, the pendulum and saying, well, I can just do it on my own. And, and they're not going to ever interact with other people because, man, they're just fiercely independent. But then that pendulum can swing all the way to this side over here. And I would say it's the deception of interdependence where you just assume that people are going to bail you out. But the reality is, if you go back to where we started, dependence upon God demands all three aspects of dependence, being dependent upon God's word, being dependent upon prayer and being interdependent on others, not just after you made some bad decisions, not just when you need a bailout, but in the very process of decision-making. Like I'll, I'll never forget this one. Years and years ago, I remember my wife and I were wrestling through uh, whether we should purchase a new vehicle or not. And we actually took that decision to our group of friends, to our community group, our life group, whatever you want to call it, but we are actually soliciting input from the church body because we didn't want to make a bad decision and then go to the church body and, and, and go, okay, hey, can you guys bail us out of a bad decision? We wanted to include them in on the process. But don't, don't fall into the deception of interdependence being a bailout because that's not what it is. It's actually including all aspects of dependency on God into the process. Another deception, and this one is probably going to sting a little bit. Another deception is that being wronged somehow exempts you from relationship. The deception of being wronged somehow precludes you from meaningful relationship. Guys, and, and, and here's, here's where I want to just lean into this a little bit. Guys, being wronged is hard. It is absolutely painful. But you don't actually know the depth of true biblical relationship until you've been wronged and then worked through it 
all the way to a point of reconciliation. And that's hard, but then it's beautiful on the back end. Some of us short circuit that and we go, well, well, someone sinned against me or I sinned against someone else. Now, peace out. I'm done. It's too hard. And you bail, but you neglect, you absolutely neglect some of the one and others that we're commanded to do. We're commanded to actually function with a, a, a sense of unity. We're commanded to reconcile with one another. We're commanded to bear one another's burdens. We're commanded to forgive one another. We're commanded to love one another. And if we stop short, we're actually stopping short. We're less than what God wants for us. And that's my fear for a lot of us is we're stunted in our growth and maturity because we stop when it gets hard. We stop when it's painful. Now, please hear me. It is hard and it is painful. I don't want to minimize that. Guys, here, let me just, let me just circumvent the whole process. If you are in relationship with me or relationship with Todd or relationship with Terry or with Billy or with Robin, even sweet Robin, or even watch this one, sweet Sheila Earwood. I promise you, anyone, if you're in relationship with any one of us, let me just, you know, circumvent the whole thing. We will sin against you. Okay, just to anticipate that. I tell people this regularly. Hey, if we're going to be in a relationship, just know that I will sin against you at some point. What are you going to do about it? And I hope you don't run away. I'm not, I'm not a challenging you by all means, but I'm, I'm just going to just tell you guys, if you know me, the more time we spend together, the more likely it is that I will sin against you. And, and let's be honest, you will sin against me too. But the beautiful thing is, is we get to fulfill our created intent when that wrong is done, that we have this beautiful opportunity to demonstrate the reconciliation of God as we reconcile with each other. Because we have this responsibility to put God on display to the world. And what better way to put God on display than through granting grace and extending grace to others who are sinful and have sinned against us. And we say, yeah, that was wrong. Man, sometimes there's even consequence. But man, let's work through that. And then one last deception I just want to talk to you about really quickly, only because it's circumstantial during this last six months or so. Guys, and that is the deception of COVID. See, now watch this. I hear a lot in and around the church, not Cornerstone necessarily exclusively, but other churches as well. Partly the job I'm in, I interact with lots of churches. But here's the thing. I hear a lot that says, oh, so many people are struggling with isolation. Now watch this. COVID, and, and for a lot of people in the church, COVID hasn't caused your isolation. In many cases, it has simply exposed how isolated you actually were and how isolated you actually are. Because you've minimized the church to simply an hour or so on a Sunday morning or an event that you attend, and which is, which is why people are fighting so vehemently for Sunday gatherings, because that's the extent of their church life. But if you are intentionally engaged in relationship with others, guys, the, the loss of Sunday services and Sunday mornings it's, it's hard and you go, okay. But the reality is you go, man, you know what? It's not going to change the relationship I have with others. I'm still practicing the one and others. I'm still eating meals with people outside. 
you know, with a mask, of course, <laughs> pun intended there. But guys, here's the thing. I just want to ask you, did COVID cause your isolation or did it ex expose your isolation? And I think a lot of people, that deception is being exposed. Here's where we want to wrap things up, guys. The need and the priority of relationship. It is, it is through relationship that we intentionally place ourselves in the presence and pathway of God. You see, the relationship with other spirit-filled people, it's the very seedbed, it's the very starting place, it's the very launch pad by which God actually speaks and communicates and works out his redemptive plan for the communities that we live in. It's through relationship. We model that to others. And so you guys, we have to be in relationship with one another. We have to reorganize our life. We have to see the priority of this because we cannot live a life that honors Jesus apart from other spirit-filled people. We have to be there. So here's the invitation I would have for all of us. Because sometimes we, we hear something like this and we don't know what to do with it. Real simple request for you guys. This week, in the next seven days, would you please do this? Would you please invite someone, another spirit-filled person, to the table, invite someone to a meal, or join someone at their table for a meal and actually discuss one, maybe two of the one another's. That's it. Join somebody for a meal and do that regularly with people, you know, but just this week, just we have to start somewhere. So this week, one meal, with the other spirit-filled people and one or two one another's. Because if we do that, guys, that is the first step onto a journey of modeling biblical relationships, which we have to get there. It's necessary, it's fun, it's enjoyable, it's hard, but it's beautiful. And our community right now desperately needs to see the beauty of relationships. I hope you caught the heart of this morning. We need each other. I know it's tricky in, in this time and some of us still are at home. We maybe have some health issues. We might be immunocompromised while others are able to kind of get outside and share meals outside with, with each other. But I, I really believe that we can lean into relationship in a new way in this season. And I believe the Lord's calling all of us to it in a new way. So whether that's, whether you're finding yourself like feeling really isolated and you're realizing you don't, you don't have many people in your life that know you, or you realize you actually, you actually love to be in relationship with people. And maybe the Lord's calling you, as Spencer mentioned, just to invite somebody to your table. I know it can be vulnerable at times to invite people and it can also be vulnerable to show up kind of, you know, for the first time. So I don't know where you are, but I'm just gonna pray for us this morning and believe that the Spirit of God will do a work in each of our hearts when it comes to moving towards relationship in a new way during this time. Would you pray with me? 
Lord, I thank you that you designed us, you made us for relationship. We were never meant to exist in this world alone, and yet we find, we find so often that our friends, and sometimes even us, we, we feel isolated, we feel lonely, and, and sometimes we reach out and sometimes we don't. And Lord, I just ask you right now to speak to each of us about what this looks like in our life. Would you give us the capacity by, by your spirit to, to step into whatever you are calling us to today? And not only just keep it to ourselves, but share it with somebody, share. Share the very thing that you're calling us to. There's beauty in the sharing of what you're calling us to. It, it, it makes it a little bit more real and, and I venture even to say it, it holds us like kind of accountable in some way to that, to those that we love and we find already in our lives. So would you give us the courage to share that as well? Lord, I thank you for your grace that sustains us. Help us to be a people that reflect the love of Jesus in all that we say and do. We're so grateful for you, Lord. Thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters into your family. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you, Cornerstone. We are so, so grateful for you. We'll see you soon.